Hey everybody, Jim here. Um, just wanted to say that this week was kind of a comedy of errors in a lot of ways. As far as this episode, I, I lost my notes. Uh, I had tech problems on my end. Uh, I got sick on Saturday and, and just spent the whole day in bed. Uh, so I'm really sorry about the lateness and kind of the uh, scattershot uh, approach to this episode. I just wanted to apologize. Uh, if you... Um, we, I think we covered everything we wanted to cover. It just might not have been in the correct order that we wanted to cover it because of me losing my notes. Uh, so I do apologize about that. And next week we'll be more back on track. I take all the blame and I will offer you a full refund, uh, for everything you paid for this podcast, if not satisfied. So thanks and hope you enjoy. We are no one. We are everyone. And we are invisible. We convinced ourselves that they were gone. But they were just hibernating. They came for everybody. All police. Are we safe? I guess we have ourselves a reckoning. What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Welcome, everybody, to We Watch Watchmen. Uh, we're going over Season 1, Episode 4, the title of which is, If You Don't Like My Story, Write Your Own. And uh, a lot of cool stuff going on in this episode. We finally got to meet Lady True and a bunch of other great stuff. But uh, live from his own vivarium, Rich the Chubtoe Children is here. So do you think that the title of this episode, obviously it was shot and written long before it aired, but do you think the title of it was they knew there would be so much vitriol on the internet about everything with the show? Uh, partially. I think it's partially yeah. like a nod to the fandom or whatever. Yep. And man who traded his uh, his uh, egg farm for a newborn and $5 million, Russ. <laughs> that, was a, that was our secret. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was a secret. Because uh, it really wasn't a secret at the beginning of this episode, because that's how it starts. <laughs> How's that for a segue? Uh, we go right into the episode. We see a, uh, a a woman reading a book. Go ahead, Rich. Give us the, the Easter egg there, since you, you told me about it earlier this week. I saw it on a video. but Yeah, well, I actually I didn't see it the first time, but then I saw Reddit, where it was mentioned, and then I noticed it. Obviously, when I I watched this episode three times this week, this is my favorite one so far. But yes, the book um, Fog Dancing that she was reading was written by Max Shea, who is also the author of the uh, comic book um, Tales of the Black Freighter that was featured in the original graphic novel of The Watchmen. So and he was also on the, was he cool. was he was also on the island that Ozymandias blew up. Of the people who created the squid, remember he had like psychics and artists. And oh writers. yeah! And he was on that. I had that whole subplot of him with the artist, um, when she was drawing the squid or whatever. Um, 
but yeah, he was on that island that Ozzy blew up after making the squid. Um, we start out, it's the Clark Egg Farm, which will uh, come into play a little bit later. Um, people drive by, and nobody's stopping for eggs. We, sh- we see the, the woman roll her egg cart back. We see her and her husband working on a jigsaw puzzle together, flossing together. <laughs> like, And uh, they're playing Islands in the Stream by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. They're just, um, you know, they're snuggling, they're flossing, all this stuff. Just And then uh, in the middle of the night, there's a knock on the door. And it's Lady Trio, who we've heard about but have not met yet. So this is her introduction uh, to the to the, the, the viewers. Um, she walks in and says, look, I would like to buy your farm, but you only have three minutes to decide. And she pulls out an hourglass and flips it over. Now, I did a little research on the side of my own, okay? Lady True in Vietnamese like folklore or history, uh, depending on who you ask, was uh, a woman who gathered together a, uh, all the great mountain clans to hold off the Chinese, uh, the great Wu Empire, one of the greatest of the Chinese empires, uh, tried to invade Vietnam. And she rode in on an elephant, leading a thousand tribes from the mountains um, to stop this great conqueror, the great conquering of, uh, you know, army of China. So it's interesting that she's taken as her mascot, like someone who stood up to a great conqueror, even though she has, like, real hero worship, it seems, for Ozymandias. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But her sigil has always been an elephant. And if you look on her hourglass, and in other places, too, throughout the episode, you see elephants. Uh, like, the cup that she's drinking out of is an elephant mug, and the uh, the hourglass as well. I caught the elephants, but I didn't know the meaning. That's interesting. Yeah, so, basically, she's based on... Our, her. Her name is taken, anyway, from a Vietnamese folk character who stood up to a mighty empire. So I'm thinking, A, this could be her, uh, you know, metaphor of her standing up to Viet and, like, taking over his stuff, although she seems to have really, like, a worshipfulness for Viet. I mean, she has a statue of him and stuff, right? Or two, it could be her, you know, like, something that happens later in the episode makes me think she's tied to the comedian somehow. Or, with what you just said, I wonder if standing up to that, like that, if she is creating whatever this clock thing is, is something to defeat or get rid of Dr. Manhattan. It could very well be, or it could be something else, you know, I mean, yeah, there were some interesting um, details we'll get later about the Millennium Clock that, that kind of piqued my interest to hear. Anyway... Um, the Clarks are like, no, no, we don't want to saw farm. This is our legacy. And she's like, look, legacy isn't land. Legacy is your bloodline here. And she brings in a baby that she made with a 10-year-old egg from Mrs. Clark. Uh, her, her daughter brings it in. Um, uh, left, leftovers. They'd been to a fertility clinic 10 years earlier, and she went ahead and made a baby for them. By the way, I think her daughter is a clone of herself. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Especially with the memories that she has later. Yep. Let's go ahead and hold on a second, real quick. The other obvious thing in this episode, you ready? Petey's Lube Man, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Okay. okay, I'm just checking. And I love it. It's like open, open it. secret, right? Um, yep. So she offers her this baby, and immediately they, they sign away. And as soon as they sign, they step outside, and a meteor falls on uh, their property. And... Uh, I have a theory about this meteor, but I'll wait till later in the episode. Well, anyway, she says, uh, or the wife says, what's that? And uh, 
Lady Tree says, that is mine. Evidently, she knew it was coming. That's why they only had the three minutes to decide. That explains that or whatever. Um, so, anyway, we um, we then are cut. We see the title of the episode. You know, if you don't like my story, write your own. Uh, we then fo- turn to Angela, who is uh, trying to cover her tracks with Will because she knows Laurie is you know kind of wise to her, right? So she cuts up. The, uh, she, she wipes everything off with Windex for her fingerprints. She gets rid of everything. She cuts up the wheelchair. Yeah. Confused. She dumps the wheelchair, and this is when she sees Lube Man. I guess we're going to call him Lubrication Captain, or... Yeah, because she, she throws the bag over the, over into the bridge garbage truck. In, into a garbage truck driving yeah. by. Right. And then well, turns around. Train. And... I thought it was a train. Or train, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then but... she turns around and sees this guy in silver spandex. And she yells, hey, hey, and chases him down. And the guy runs away. And while he's running, he squirts something on himself. And uh, as she tries to catch up with him, he jumps into a sewer grate and slides in. Frictionless, it seems. They all yeah. float down there. It's like a, he's dressed like he's, he's about to enter the luge competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or he's cosplaying a silver surfer or something. Yeah, yeah. Except um, Silver Surfer doesn't have those Spider-Man-like eyes. <laughs> Lube man. There's a, so such a, a thick tension between Laurie and Angela in this episode. Um, yeah. She the next day Angela goes into work and you know Sister Knight, and Laurie's taking over Judd's office, like totally. Yeah. Like the new um, boss. She's the new boss. Meet the new boss, you know. Um, and like I said, there's super tension between there because Lori knows something is up but does not sure why. And Angela knows that Lori knows something but doesn't know, like, how much she knows. You know what I mean? And she keeps trying to push, uh, you know, mask-wearing cops' buttons, right? You know, when they're driving, they they realize that um, the only thing that could – that um, Trio Industries has is, like um, – like uh, hovercraft, kind of, that could easily have have grabbed and stolen her car. Yeah, they're almost like extremely large drones. Yeah, yeah, but um, they decide they are going out to True Industries to talk to Lady True about what happened. You know, um, so on the way out there, she's like, you know, kind of prodding Angela. She asks Angela if she was raised or harmed by nuns after her parents' death. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> You know, people. You know, she says people who wear who wear masks are driven by trauma. They're they're um, you know they're obsessed with justice because of some injustice they suffered, usually when they were kids. Ergo, the mask to hide the pain. Uh, Lori knows this, you know, from experience, obviously. And right. then uh, and then uh, Angela says, "Yeah, I, I wear the mask to keep me safe." And she goes, "Yeah, from the pain, you know." And <laughs> then and then we. Um, uh, we get a little bit of the most awkwardly retold uh, story of Lori, you know, yes. Lori's mom. Uh, you know, Lori's like, hey, Petey, tell her, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. And uh, Petey, in like the most broken, nervous way possible, <laughs> uh, tells, you know, Lori's, you know, explains that Lori's father assaulted her mother, you know. You get to Lady True's uh, industry, True Industries, and uh, they meet uh, True's daughter there who uh, leads them to the vivarium. And the only two people I've ever known to have a vivarium, yeah. Lady, Lady True and Ozymandias. <laughs> and she tells Petey he has to stay. 
What did she say? Only the yeah, women. Only women are allowed in, yeah. in the uh, in the area. Which makes me wonder. You know, we talked about the doomsday clock. She says here that you know it's a thousand miles from any seismic activity. It can't be flooded. It can't be. You know what I mean? She yeah. explains the why it's in Tulsa. Yeah. And I'm wondering, is she planning something like giant squid-like with that thing? You know what I mean? It could be. There has to be something. So to to back up a, a little bit, I, we talked about this offline, but I got the I don't know why I got the impression that the start of this episode was a flashback, not like in the distant past, but initially because they said, "Oh, you're the lady building the clock up the street." Right. And and then I was like, "Oh, so at first I thought, oh, because we've seen the clock or what looks like it's going to be the clock," and then. When they get there, it's obvious they're still doing construction on it. So I was a little confused at first because I thought, oh, maybe it's a flashback. And then when when they show up and they're clearly still, it doing could have been a recent flashback. Like that's how she first started getting land around there. Yeah, I I took it almost as like maybe, maybe whatever like came in that comment. Maybe whatever came in that comment isn't the theory I'm going to talk about later. But maybe it's parts from some alien tech or something that's coming mm-hmm. down there. For her you, to build the thing. In that opening part, though, they do, you know, she is, you know, what have you heard about me? And yeah. uh, you're building that big clock on the street. You bought out Adrian Veidt. You know, you're a, mil- a billionaire. Yeah. And she goes, ah, actually, I'm a trillionaire. Yeah. <laughs> to correct but, them, you know. But most likely, I mean, she got all of Veidt's a- assets. So there's a good chance that she's gotten his notes. She knows what he tried to do. And somehow she has twisted her mind into thinking that's the thing to do and maybe she's the one keeping the squids raining down maybe all of that stuff and maybe that who knows well i think the squids are like the government trying to keep everybody like afraid of the other dimensions or whatever yeah but that's the prevailing theory right. and i think you're right but yeah. yeah but i do think she's up to something like whether it kills like every man on the planet or you know every caucasian or you know what i mean like i think something's going to happen with that and the thing that kills me about it is every time anybody asks her you know what does it do oh it's hell's time to which I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, based off what you giant... said, Jim, maybe this is a sequel to Watchmen, but a prequel to Why the Last Man. Ah. Yeah, there's got to be something to that whole yeah. no men, right? I mean, that right. that's not, I mean, again, it's Watchmen, right? Nothing's coincidental. There, there has to be, there has to be something to it, and there has to be more, more right. to it, even. I mean, so much, uh, there's so many little breadcrumbs to lead you through this episode, right? Yep. Um, she tells uh, Angela and Lori on her deathbed, my mother made me promise I would never leave Vietnam. So I found a loophole. Now Vietnam never leaves me. Yeah. And then uh, while they're in the vivarium uh, with Lori and Angela, uh, Lady True speaks to Vietnamese in Vietnamese to Angela after she finds out that she, you know, she grew up in Vietnam. An old and, Vietnamese saying. Yes. There's an expression about grief I remember from when I was little. <laughs> uh, and she says to the Vietnamese, your grandfather wants to know if you got the pills. <laughs> and Angela replies, I remember one from when I was little, too. And also in Vietnamese replies to her, you tell that old effer he can ask me himself. <laughs> that was. <laughs> and Lady but... True doesn't blink an eye at her. She's like, I haven't heard that one. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. Like, that, that's that got to be the best exchange between two people in this show to date. Like, I just, but, I just love yeah, that. It's so great. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Will, is it just me or is he getting? Does he seem like he's getting younger to you guys? Uh, I think they're making a point of that he's unnaturally 
that that he's yeah. he's uh it's a little bit of um uh like he's he it's 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 some faux like he's not really as weak as he comes across that oh no i get that but i'm just saying is um like like his face looked less wrinkly this episode his hair was just i don't know he just looked younger maybe yeah so i thought maybe maybe that's what those pills are i don't know something i forgot to mention earlier you know it was the clark farm and like they, yes. they get a baby in the middle of the night from a stranger, and a meteor goes down. So it's like you took the Superman myth and snapped it in half. And I didn't even it, connect that. Oh, it, that was it back so to great. itself. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like I the perfect loving couple that. living on a farm, happy, trying to have a baby, yep. didn't have a baby of their own. Yeah. Oh my God, I totally forgot the. Um... I'm really sorry, listeners. I guess I, maybe I'll edit this. I don't know. Forgot to mention Angela visiting Looking Glass. Oh yeah, yeah. She goes to Looking Glass's house. He lives in a bunker. Yes. And he's a, totally obsessed with the interdimensional squid phenomenon. Um, and uh, you know, she says, uh, you know, she asks him if uh, about Judd, and uh, if he was ra- and you know, if he was racist, and he says he was a white man in Oklahoma. <laughs> That was a great response. <laughs> yeah. And you know, man. for a minute, the first time I watched it, I thought that was her house and that the bunker was in her backyard. It oh. wasn't until the second time through, I'm like, oh, that's not her house. Because, yeah. like, I guess that's his house and then he has the bunker. I don't know. But interesting. Yeah, we also, uh, she also shows him the, uh, the KKK robes. And he says, well, you know, that could have been left over from his grandpappy. He was big in the clan and a lawman, you know, or whatever. And, uh, you know, so she's letting Looking Glass into the investigation a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was interesting that she was making a point of being so secretive. And and now she's letting him in on it as well. So well, I think she I needs think- someone impartial, you know what I mean, to like. I mean, because you can't obviously tell all this to Cal, right? And I don't Well, know. and on top right. of that, she knows that Lori knows something. She just doesn't know what or that she has suspicions. So she needs to get somebody now that's kind of on her side that will have her back so that when it does finally hit the fan, you know, she's got backup. And he he basically tells her, like, that she should be more trusting of Lori or at least – uh, be open to the idea. Yeah, get, be open to the idea that maybe she's not here to uh, cause harm. That she's, you know, she she could be an ally. Is is what he's well, getting. like Jim said at the beginning. You know, she, there's that very tense tension, just like just wound up. You know, but I get the impression through the episode by the end of it, there's there's still tension, but they kind of have a respect for each other. That yeah. So, I, especially after she got the story from um, Petey about who Lori really was and stuff. So, I, I, I don't know. I think that it's going to end up being a good relationship. It's just going to be one of those buddy cop friction relationships. Right, like contentious, yeah. Yeah. The other thing I forgot to mention, that I'm really sorry, listeners. I'm derelict in my duties this week, that uh, they'd found uh, Will's fingerprints in her car. Yep. Um, the uh, yeah, the it turned out that he was a lawman in New York, 
in uh, during the fifties. Yeah, that was an interesting development. Yeah, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't didn't expecting that. I didn't either. No, I wasn't either. Because I, I mean, I I swear I think there's something to tie well to the original Minutemen. Really That's do. what I was thinking. Um, well, a lot of theories is is that he's hooded justice. Yeah, I've seen that theory around before too, for sure. And it, I mean, I could I could buy it. I, I'm not a hundred percent behind it, but I could buy that theory. Um, okay, let's get back on track. Let's get in order now. I'm not going to miss anything else. I'm sorry. Um, also in the vivarium is a golden statue of Adrian Veidt, but it looks like him as an old man. And Laurie is like, well, why did you do... I mean, he was hot when he was young. Why does he look like... He looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he's old. <laughs> I know, but but a Lady True is like, we uh, we worship our um, ancestors in my culture. Yeah. There's so got it. There's... And again, it's it's there's all these things, and I can't put my finger on it or understand why, but there's got to be something to the fact that the, it's the old version of him and not the yeah. young one. Like, yeah. there's got to I mean. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I also have a, I mean, God, we keep going off on tangents on theories, but could it be Lady True that has him? I think it's a possibility. Could very well be, yeah. She has that cloning technology, and... He makes a mention that those embryos, he didn't make those, right? Yeah, well, here's the thing. This was my theory about the comet thing is I thought he was on Mars, right? That's my theory, and I still kind of am sticking to that theory, but we see him get the embryos or the baby things out, and then they take it to the Black & Decker food hydrator a la Back to the Future 2 and, you know, uh, hits the, the button. Um, but then he ends up killing them you know killing a bunch of the clones and when he's catapulting them out he's looking through that looking glass and then it does that scene transition where the clouds through the looking glass or the moon so now i'm wondering if maybe he's on the moon and he's actually catapulting those things out and that that comet was a clump of a bunch of the clones crashing to earth I mean, it's a wild way out there. I think my Mars well, theory has more water than that, but I'm, is, the, it, it, oh, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. go ahead. No, I, I mean that's just as valid a theory as any of the others that we've had. Yeah. Um, they call the uh, Millennium Clock the first wonder of the New World, which also makes me think it's a squid type thing that's going to do some sort of apocalyptic deal because you know the New World, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I. Who knows? I just feel like her, that she has some sort of connection to, to uh, the comedian. Like, you know, maybe she was the lit one, you know, I don't know. Maybe her, again, there's there's so many puzzle pieces here that we just can't quite see the picture. And I don't want to, uh, you know, go too, too deep on a tangent here. Um, there's also a, um, a, a thing where we see Lady True's daughter sleeping. And she has a giant thing of IV or whatever it is, a giant thing uh, going into her arm. And she wakes up and tells her mom that, uh, you know, she's been having these bad dreams about running, running from fire and stuff. And Lady True has this, like, recognition on her face. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about, you know. And then uh, she tells her to go back to sleep. And we see that Lady True, and she says, good night, Lady True, and good night, Mommy. Good night, Mr. Reeves. And Will is sitting there with Lady yeah. True. And yeah. they're, part- they're, they're partnered. And uh, they talk very vaguely. 
<laughs> like, yes. Like uh, if True is like frustrated that this about this game that Will is playing with his granddaughter, but Will is certain that whatever they're planning is gonna mess up Angela, so they can't be a part of it. And they say in three days, um, it'll all be taken care of. Hmm. So in three days, and they're like, Poof. okay, I guess something's going on. Adrian Veidt this episode. We see him out in a river, fishing fetuses out, right? Like I mentioned, it was this weird black water. As brings, one does. He brings the fetus into the you know the um, the snow cone machine, as Rich mentioned. But <laughs> just, just, to, just to back up a second, though, he's like picking them up, looking them over, and if yeah. it doesn't meet some criteria he's obviously Chunks looking it. for, he chunks them back in the water and then picks like up another cage, one. right? Or lobster cage or something he's got. I could I couldn't tell. Yeah, it, uh, but it's just like maybe a crab cage. So what? It, 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 so he throws the baby back in. Like is the baby like is he just tossing it aside and it's dying or is it just like he'll come back for it later or what's it, a clone? Mean, it's a non-hydrated clone rust. They're not people. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> Waste of good building materials, what that is. Anyway, <laughs> we see him take these like feet, proto-fetuses out of this river and into his workshop, and he's got this weird steampunk cylinder egg-shaped thing going on. He puts the two fetuses in there on this like turntable, shuts it, cranks the crank, and I really got to go out to the sound engineer here because they didn't show them. They showed the babies going in, right? The bones cracking. You hear oh. the bone and the skin stretching and, like, all the stuff. Yes. And then finally they turn, pan back and there are, you know, Miss Crookshanks and, and, and Mr. Um, and, and the male clone. And Put on some pants. Yeah. But uh, he talks, uh, takes the new clones and gets them dressed and, like, they're they're totally out of it. They don't know what they're doing. And, they can't, uh, yeah. They, they can't speak. Yeah. Uh, because of the process or whatever. And he takes them and he says, all you need to know is that you you are uh, here to serve me. I'm your master. And he shows them into a room. It looks like a ballroom or banquet room. It's a big room. Just littered with Mr. Phillips and and, uh, and Miss Crickshank clones. All over, the, all over the place. Somebody had a bad night. That's what he said. I had a rough yeah. night last night. Can you cl- clean these up? And I'm thinking, you know, the the whole Black Freighter thing about the guy um, sailing out on a boat, a raft of dead bodies, right? Like, he's trying to escape this prison on a raft of dead bodies. Like, look at all these corpses he's racked up. You know, yeah. Catapulting, yeah. you know, killing out of frustration, uh, experimentation, you know. All this to sail away from this island he's stuck on, you know, metaphorically. So we see they're getting the catapult ready. Veidt's very excited. He shoots people up in the sky. He's ready to go himself. He's very, very excited to get to get uh, out of this place. He talks about how he's been there four years in this prison, and uh, he wants he wants out. You know? And it's it's episode four. <laughs> oh, well. All right. I forgot the whole part about the uh, reparations thing with the family tree, and the acorn, digital acorn, and the hologram, and all that. Well, back, we can back up. That's cool. I'll just throw that in. Um, in the middle of the night, Angela goes to uh, 
She calls into the uh, the precinct saying, I think there's been a break-in at the Greenwood Center. Um, and she calls it in. She goes, if there's an alarm there, that's me looking around. And as soon as she says that, she breaks the glass and breaks into the Greenwood Center. Well, she said that when she called it in, she says, I see someone's broken the glass. But yeah. yeah. Then she breaks the glass. It's like Dr. Manhattan, you know, eight minutes from now I will break the glass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've already broken the glass. I will always break the glass. Um, she goes into the Greenwood Center and uh, gets this thing. It's a digital acorn. I so, thought this was kind of cool. I like this. It was cool, but I was like, what? So she takes this um, this acorn that the machine pulls out and puts it into a um, uh, room. It's called the Ancest Tree. And it's a 3D holographic portrayal of your family tree uh, generated from the acorn. And she sees Will's parents, her uh, uh, grandparents, uh, who died in the Greenwood Massacre. And we see Will as a little boy. And there's this this great scene where uh, she's looking and her face is kind of superimposed over the hologram. Yeah, that was cool. A little boy. And she goes, okay, you wanted me to find out who you are? I found out who you are. Now get the F out of my life. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Regina King has been killing it. She is just so great. Yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, I think it's the only scene I missed. Again, I'm really sorry. I, I had notes earlier. I don't know what happened to them. I've watched it like two and a half times already since the count. Here. So that was episode four of Watchmen, the HBO series. Um,. I like the mystery. They're giving me enough info that I want to stick with it. You know what I mean? I want to uh, stay with it, as, you know, and, and figure out what everything, how everything pieces together. I, my only hope is that it does. You know? What oh, I, mean? I think it will. I think it will. And that's what's so great about this show is we come up with all these wild theories and everything else. And the crazy part is any one of them are plausible in this world. And right. so I just I love everything about this show. This is. Definitely my favorite show of 2019, if not for several years. It's so good. Well, it's definitely on my top ten this year, for sure, so far, anyway. Yeah, yeah, no question. And I was, it's funny, because when this all started, I was really skeptical about what this, you know, what the show was, what they were doing, how it was going to tie in. It seemed so disconnected, it it seemed so removed. Um, And it's funny that, that I've, I've come like a complete 180 on how I feel about it and, and what they're doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm glad to be uh, surprised and uh, enjoying it as much as I am. Yeah. I was full of trepidation as well, uh, but I am all in. And yeah. I, again, as long, if it resolves itself well, I will agree. This is one of the best, uh, you know, series of the week of the year for sure. But so far I agree. You know, the, the acting is top notch. Uh, Gene Smart and Regina King playing off each other is killer. Yep. Um, uh, Hong Chao was playing Lady True as this kind of pitch perfect kind of like weirdness to her. It's not it's yes. like pol- polite, but not right. You know what I mean? Just a little yep. bit off. Just a little bit off. Um, so I'm just, I'm really enjoying the, the show overall. So um, I gotta say too, like, um, when Angela, the next day after that Greenwood break in, when the kids are arguing about where Uncle Judd went, if he oh, went to heaven yeah, yeah. and all that. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting that they portrayed that, you know, from the from an atheist truth like that. 
because somebody, I don't know where I saw it, somebody had a meme that just said, so there's a black family on a television show and they're not ultra-Christian. Interesting. So, you know, it just, that was, I was not expecting him to have a conversation with little kids like that, and that was pretty interesting. And it was, he was pretty cold to it, too. It's just like, yeah, he's... Before he was born, he didn't exist, and he lived, and he died, and now he doesn't exist again. <laughs> I, I even heard somebody online uh, say that that was a giveaway that he was Dr. Manhattan, because he had that kind of, uh, you know, atheistic kind of a non-religious view. That Cal is Dr. Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah. No. That and that Laurie said he was hot. <laughs> well, objectively, he is a good-looking fellow. I That's mean, <laughs> true. That's true. I'm just saying. That's, I read that. Uh, again, online is full of uh, speculation and all kinds of stuff. So it's fun to uh, it's fun to do while we can. Yep. So thank you all for listening to We Watch Watchmen. We'll be back next week with uh, episode five. Uh, anything you would like to pimp or promote, gentlemen, before we leave? Yeah, just DC TV podcast and Walking Dead podcast, and uh, I'm on the socials at Chubtoad01. And same place you're hearing this podcast, just stay tuned to HHWLOD. That's right, you catch Walking Dead TV podcast, this one. And, um, of course, uh, Russ is on Gotham by Geeks uh, every week with Daryl and the team, and I uh, do Nothing's On uh, every Sunday with Daryl and Donnie on the TaylorNetworkPodcast.com, so you can check those out there if you're into such things. Okie doke. Thanks a lot, guys. Until next week, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Good night. Yep. Good night. All right. Cool. Just a matter of time, I suppose. suggest we do about it retribution we can save this world why would i save the world i no longer have any stake in do it for me
Angels will look up and shout, save us. And I'll whisper, no. No.